thank you for your presence in this place. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your generosity towards us in that whilst we were still sinners, you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to come and die on the cross for us and our sins and to rise again victorious. We thank you for your generosity your immense generosity that we cannot even fathom, that You have lavishly, abundantly poured out upon us whilst we were still sinners. I thank You that You didn't wait for us to scrub ourselves up, that You gave Your life in order that we may be counted as righteous before You. Jesus, we thank You for this truth. And Lord, if there isn't someone or few people in this place who have not yet encountered this truth, I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you will make yourself known to them this morning, that they will understand, that we will all understand this truth of the gospel of grace in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said, amen, amen, amen. You may take your seats, turn to someone next to you and say, God is here right now. Do you know that? It's actually, it's, it's pretty cool, really, when you think about it. Well, I have to let you know, I am a little bit nervous because um, since I was, well, for my whole life, um, I've always had long hair. Um, <laughs> So I'm a little bit nervous. Obviously, when I was a baby, I didn't have long hair. I had the normal sort of baby hairdo. But other than that, I've always had long hair. So I'm a little bit nervous to see what's going to happen after the service. So um, ah, hang around um, and, and, yeah, we're going to be doing that in the glass house, I think they said. So anyway, thank you, church, for your generosity. Do you know that you're very generous? We have a very generous church. My, my iPad's not working. Sorry, thought I'd throw that in. I might need my laptop at some point, but anyway. Uh, right now, we are in a building that um, have, didn't just kind of happen. We didn't just stumble upon this place. This has actually been built by so many individuals who have sacrificed, who have given gen- generously. They have had that spirit of generosity. It wasn't just an accident that we're here. We are the product of generosity from generations before us. And so as we're in this series of generosity called Courageous Giving, my prayer is that that will simply continue. For a while now, um, the verse that has been rolling around my head um, is this one that's coming up on the screen. And I'm going to need my iPad because my, I mean, the laptop. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Oh, you can put it there. <laughs> Look at the service. Walks all the way over. We'll just leave it there in case it starts to work. Sorry, iPads are not, I mean, what is this thing called? Laptops are not great to preach from, but... You guys will forgive that. Is that right? Thank you. All right. God is here. All right, let's get the verse on the screen. It's from Matthew 6. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So, 
Oh my gosh, that's scary. I don't, just stand up for one second, Josh, just in case anyone missed this. <laughs> that's really scary. I, the, 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 the bleach phase. Well, I'm kind of glad that's not the forever phase. I'm sure Belle... Oh, Belle would look so shocked. Oh, no. It's weird. Oh. Oh, dear. It's a loose morning this morning, hey? All right, let's keep going with the verse. I actually thought at first everyone was laughing at the verse because my head was turned. I thought you were laughing that we don't have a reward from our Father in Heaven. No. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honoured by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret." Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And I think the reason this verse has been rolling around my head is because I often feel like I'm a bit like the left hand and Brock is like the right hand. <laughs> he is um, very generous. He will often give things to people and buy things to people and invite people over and he'll, um, you know, sign himself up to, to, to help someone out. He'll often sign me up to help someone out and I've got absolutely no idea that he's, he's done that. Um, like the other day, I was just chilling out um, in, in the office here at church and um, May comes in and she says, so, what are you thinking of cooking on Tuesday night? And I thought, wow, May's really interested in my meal plans for the week. And, um, and then I suddenly realised that she was talking about Greenhouse. Brock had signed um, both of us up to cook at Greenhouse, which I thought, well, that's really, that's a great idea. But um, unfortunately, we were in the city, we were meant to be in that city that night because it was actually Brock's birthday that day and he just had no idea. He's like the right hand um, and he sees that it's his duty to make sure that I have no idea what he has signed me up for and what he's giving away. Does anyone else have a generous husband or a generous wife? Put your hand up if you've got a generous husband or a generous wife. Oh, it's good, hey. One day, you know, you're looking for your favourite shirt. The next day you realise it's been given away. Anyone had that? We love them. I think God often partners us up on purpose. A stingy person with a generous person, yes, a right hand and a left hand. Both hands are important, but I do think us left hands, I think we've got a few things to learn from the right hands. Last week after um, Mark's amazing message, um, I asked Brock, please can you pray for me? Because I'm really, I want God to break open generosity in my life. Do you want that too? Anyone else? I really, really do. Something I've noticed about generous people um, is that I don't think they take as many risks to conserve things as much as us stingy people do, right? They seem to kind of have this understanding, oh, there's, there's more where that came from. 
I can splash a little here, I can give a little there. I don't have to scrounge around and, you know, eat that last little bit of crusty rice at the bottom of the rice cooker. Does anyone know that? Or is it just my rice cooker's bad? You know, us stingy people, we're like, you know, I just got to make sure we, we have everything that we possibly can, that nothing goes to waste. A few months ago, I shared a story of house-sitting at Wisto. Um, I don't know if you remember it, about um, when I was dancing like no one was watching, only someone was watching. Um, well, Brock and I have just come back from our, another holiday at this home in Wisto, house-sitting at Heather and Derek's house. And I have another hilarious story to share with you, um, sort of hilarious. Um, it was our final night staying at um, Heather and Derek's and we did a big barbecue cook-up from all this yummy meat from, from the property and I don't know, from their friends and whatever. Um, and so we cooked up some snags and some steak, but we'd been eating really well, um, so we, we couldn't quite finish it. So we left the snags on the barbecue um, and we went down and hung out with our friends down by the fire who'd come over for the night. And, um, and after that, we just completely forgot about those snacks until the next morning when we were cleaning the, the whole house up. Brock went out, it was probably about 11, um, to clean the barbecue. And he noticed that the sausages were still, were still there. And um, he was going to throw them out, you know, being the, the right hand, the one that's like, you know, there's, there's more where that came from. Um, and I was like, what? They're perfectly good sausages. Why would you throw them out? Like, we can just, you know, we'll wrap up them in our foil, we'll throw them in the oven, we'll cook them up again, get them sizzling, and then we'll put them in a piece of bread and have like a yummy sausage sizzle. Yeah? And he's like, oh, <laughs> I don't know about that. It's probably been about 12 hours that they've been out here and it's pretty warm. And I'm like, no, 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 she'll be right. So we wrap the sausages up cook them in the oven for a good, good while. They were nice and, and sizzling and got them out. And they were delicious, can I say. Um, we had gone... I'd <laughs> Brock had had about two at this point and he was going back for his third sausage and I had been partway through my first one um, when <laughs> out from the kitchen comes a guttural shriek. Brock yells, Tash! We've been eating maggots! <laughs> White, squirmy, little maggots. We thought we were having a sausage sizzle. Nuh-uh. We had extra protein that day. We were having maggot sizzle. How disgusting. I didn't believe him, so I ran over to check, and sure enough, almost like seasoning, was these sizzled maggots all over the sausages. I spat it out, and um, I really, before that point, I had no boundaries when it came to eating leftover food. But let me tell you, the boundary line is firmly drawn right now. I learnt my lesson on stinginess. Don't eat 12-hour-old sausages. <laughs> would, okay, let's just do it. If, if you'd found those sausages, who would have eaten them? Okay, good. All the ones who are raising their hands, you guys are probably the left hands. 
you know, I wish I listened to my husband, my right hand. I could have trusted, yeah, we, there'll be something else we can eat for lunch. We don't have to eat these sausages. We're not going to go hungry. It got me thinking. You live your life differently when you know you have abundantly. 2 Corinthians 9 says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Verse 8, And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. The righteous, their righteousness endures forever. And that word righteousness, it's a bit of a key word this morning. It pops up in a lot of these verses we're going to read. Verse 10, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Enriched in every way, generous in every occasion. That's like t-shirt worthy. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you can abound in every good work. You live your life differently when you know you have abundantly. Jesus says that we should give in such a way that our left hand has got no idea what our right hand is doing. Most people have a strong hand and a weak hand, right? You're either right-handed or you're left-handed. I mean, some people are ambidextrous. Who's right-handed? Most people, I think they say 80, 90%. Any left-handed people out there? Yeah. So you reckon that's probably 10, 10%? When the Bible talks about the right hand, it signifies this hand of strength. It's the hand of power, which kind of leaves the, the poor little left hand to be the weaker hand, the lesser one, the one that likes to take it easy and says, oh, I'm just going to sit back and watch you do all the work hand. For most, the left hand is the physically weaker side of us. So even if you are left-handed, for the purpose of this illustration, I hope I don't offend anyone, um, the left hand is going to symbolise the weaker side of us too. Let's say that the left hand symbolises the logic or you could say the flesh side of us when it comes to giving. For example, our left hand goes, wait, our right hand, this is my, I get confused sometimes. Our right hand goes, I'm going to buy this person some groceries. And then our left hand's like, well, if we're going to do it, Let's tell everyone about it. Or it goes, um, what if they get offended and they don't like gifts? Our right hand's like, oh, I'm going to cook this family a meal, like what Jana was talking about. And then our left hand's like, well, when I do it, I'm going to let Facebook know. 
or it thinks, what if I do it and then I don't have enough for ourselves, for myself. Our right hand's like, I'm going to give to the house of God. And then the left hand's like, but what if I need that money? Our right hand goes, I'm going to carry cash in my pocket to give to people in need, like what Mark was talking about last week. And then our left hand's like, what if I give to them and then they want more from me and I I don't have any more? Or we can think, oh, I hope when I give to someone, I hope that that someone else is watching me. It's this battle between the left and the right, between our flesh and our spirit. Paul speaks a lot about this in Romans 8. Those who live according to their flesh have the mind set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's laws, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. Again, there's that word. Who wants their mind to be governed by the Spirit? Like I sure do, especially when you see that the other side is something that leads to death. I want my mind to be governed by the Spirit. A mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. I want not just my mind, but my life and my giving to be governed by the right hand, by the hand of God, by the Spirit of God and not my flesh. Sometimes I feel like I can fall into this trap of thinking, oh, I'll give more when I have more. Right now, Brock and I, were both working um, part-time jobs. And so I often think, oh, when, when Brock gets a full-time job, I've got this whole list of things that I want to get. <laughs> and I should write a whole list of things I want to give to. But I often, I, isn't that funny? I, I often think like that. Oh, when, I'll give more when I have more. But where does that thinking end? Because then you have more and then it's still the same tune of like, oh, but I need more. Like what, what is more? Sometimes I think, oh, people, other people, they're in, they're in a season of giving right now. It's just not me. Which is really, it's really bad, honestly. I'm just being honest here this morning. And, you know, that's my left hand talking. And I've let my left hand call the shots sometimes. Sometimes I let my left hand, my flesh, call the shots too much. I reckon it's time for my right hand to start giving. I want God's spirit to be directing my hand, my giving, my life. Right now, in the season that I'm in, with the resources I have, God has abundantly blessed me. The moment I became a child of God, I was enriched in every way. And do you know it's the same for you? The moment you gave your life to Jesus, you were a part of, are a part of the inheritance of God, the family of God, enriched in every way. You have the blessing and riches of your Father's house. Jesus tells us a story 
in the Bible in um, Luke 15 about a father with a couple of sons. You might know the story. It's called the prodigal son story. And the cheeky son, the youngest son, who knows the youngest ones are usually the cheeky ones? Is that true? Yeah. The cheeky youngest son, he comes up to his dad and he says, hey, dad, you know about like that whole inheritance thing that we're usually meant to get when you die? (laughs) Yeah, can I have that now? Um, And this father, he's so nice. He's like, sure, you can have that now. And so the youngest son, he, he... goes on his merry way and he goes off and he he absolutely wastes the wealth that he'd just been given. He wastes his father's wealth. And then the Bible says in Luke 15, after he'd spent everything, like he'd been a busy boy, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. The younger son realised, why am I out here when I have food in my father's house? Why am I desiring to eat old maggot sausage when I could be eating a fresh cooked meal. So the son journeys back home, hoping that his father would take him in as a servant so that he too would have a surplus of food. But in the story, Jesus explains that this father is so excited. He's been waiting and longing for his cheeky younger son to come back home. And so it says... In verse 20, whilst the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Because we're going to have a feast. We're going to celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now is found. And so they had a big party. What a good father. This is what happens every time someone gives their life to Jesus. It's a coming back to the father, back to the one who created them and put them breath, put the breath in their bodies. It's this party, the celebration here on earth, but even more so in heaven. And you think that's a jolly good place to finish the story. You know, happy ending. Leave it there, but it goes on. Verse 25. Meanwhile, The oldest son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and said, what's going on? Your brother's come home and your father's killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, look, okay, all these years I've been slaving for you and I never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. 
But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. We can understand and I hope you can see that the father dearly loves both of his sons. Not just one, he loved both of his sons. And I noticed something that I hadn't noticed before, or maybe I had, I can't remember. But right at the beginning of the story, when the younger says, give me my share of the inheritance, it says in verse 12, so he divided his property between them. They both got their inheritance at the same time. They both came into a lot of money at the same time. It wasn't just the younger son. The older son had it too, but he had even better. Not only did he have all his section of wealth, he was, had everything of his father's because he was still in his father's house. He had endless access to everything that he could have ever wanted. Only from what we can tell, he didn't live in a way that was open-handed. He lived like there was limitations to his father's wealth. His dad basically said, at any point, you could have come and got a goat and got your friends and blessed them and celebrated with them, but you didn't. The, young, the older son wanted to conserve what they had. He thought it was wasteful to kill the fattened calf for his brother. He thought it was wasteful to, he didn't even wanna use his wealth to bless and celebrate his friends, let alone this cheeky younger brother who'd gone out doing all sorts. The older son was like the left hand, the one that counted the cost, the one that wanted to conserve. He didn't realise how deep his dad's pockets went. You live your life differently when you understand you have abundantly. Last week, after Greenhouse, um, someone kind of hid Brock's keys from him and um, I'd already gone home. So A-Train uh, kindly decided, well, not decided, he offered to drop Brock home. Um, and so oh, here's, here's a story for you. He, um, he does, he drops Brock home and um, Brock's kind of out the, outside saying, see you later and, and thanks to A-Train. And um, our driveway is one of those... Um, like loopy driveways where you drive in one way and out the other, it's got a tree in the middle. And it's got these really, really big, might I say really obvious cement border that kind of shows where the driveway goes. Um, but if you know A-Train, A-Train kind of likes to work a little bit differently to what normal people do. Um, and most people like to kind of follow that curve and, and go, um, go the normal way. But A-Train, he, he decided, he, he wanted to have a little shortcut that night. He thought, oh, you know, I've already been here too long. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to drive straight over this huge cement thing. Um, and I was sitting inside and I heard multiple bang, bang, bang inside the house. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? And Brock runs in and he's like, A-Train just ran over our water meter. <laughs> and I run outside and there is literally water gushing down the road. Like by the time I got there, it was already three houses down. And me being the conservative left hand thought, well, how about we turn the, turn the water meter off? Um, my generous husband was, was lavishly giving the gutters all this water from our house. And I thought, well, you know, maybe we'll, we'll, turn, <laughs> we'll turn that one off now. Um, you know, the funny thing is, 
Otrone's got no idea this happened. We haven't, we haven't told him yet, but we obviously, um, <laughs> we had no water. The thing was like flat on the ground, like it was like flat on the ground and both sides of the, the, the pipes had just burst open and they were filling up with dirt and it was a whole mess at like 11 o'clock at night and um, so yeah, we, we got it fixed, long story short, but we had no idea how long we would be without water for. And so I kind of looked around the home and I'm like, oh, well, looks like we just got one jug of water left. So um, what we did, we were like really, really conservative, you know, we were like, got our little toothbrushes out, just tipped a tiny little bit of, of water on the toothbrush, you know, we're, we're piling our dishes up on the side of the sinks, we're not going to use our one jug of water to wash dishes, <laughs> gosh. And the toilet, that was probably the worst part. We had to treat it like a long drop, you know? We only had one flush left in the system. You know what I mean? Like, you want to save that when you really need it. So we kind of, you know, it, it wasn't that fun. And we, at that point, we had no idea when our water was going to work again. So I'll tell you what, we weren't watering our plants. We weren't offering our neighbours a glass of water. We weren't running over there and saying, hey, <laughs> you want some water? We weren't inviting people over for a hydration party <laughs> because we had no idea when our water was going to work. We had a limited supply of water. How often do we treat our resources, our wealth, our money, like we've only got one jug left, like we're one flush away and it's all gone? I mean, it does seem logical, right? It almost seems crazy to pretend like we've got endless finances and endless resources. That just seems unwise and wasteful. But Jesus says in John 4, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life, limitless, abundant, endless, eternal. Jesus says to you, like the Father said to his Son in that story read before, my son, Luke 15, 31, my daughter, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. We have eternal wealth greater than we can ever even imagine and greater than any wealth. We have a Father who is always with us, the one who holds the world in His hands. He holds you and your resources and, and your family in His hands as well. He says, I am always with you. You are always with me. If you are in the Father's house, you are abundantly blessed. Maybe that provides some context. Maybe that helps us understand why Jesus thinks and, and, and speaks this way about giving when he says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Our giving should be so natural to us, so instinctive to us that we don't even notice ourselves doing it. It's like, of course I'm doing it. I'm in the Father's house. I have endless abundant resources. Of course I'm going to give to you. Of course I'm going to sacrifice. Of course I'm going to cook this meal for you. It should be so instinctive because we have abundant Plenty, more than we could ever even imagine. You are sons and daughters of the King above all kings. 
We have unlimited resource. We are connected to the river that never dries up. So if you've been giving from a place where you feel like you've always got to conserve, like you've just got one flush left that you're just trying to scrape through, you're just trying to make it, and then you're done. I pray that you understand this morning, God is not just a one portion wonder. You don't just get one sum of inheritance and then you, you use it up and it's, it's gone. You are living in His house. So if you've been living like the left hand, you know, any other fellow left hands out there, it's time for us to shift over to the right. It's time for us to understand that we have limitless, abundantly more than we can ever even imagine. It's time to live our lives differently, knowing we have abundantly. So I'm going to invite up a lovely young woman of God who has recently been set on fire for Jesus. God's been doing a great work in her heart and she's going to read us a, um, a final, well actually it's not final, I won't lie, one of our last passages of scripture this morning. So please put your hands together and warmly welcome Heidi up. So I'm going to be reading Matthew 25, 31 to 46. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you do did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison? and did not help you. He will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Thanks. Thank you, Heidi. It's a hefty scripture, isn't it? I don't know if you, you picked that up. I'm sure you would have. You're very smart. The righteous are on the right hand. Oh, I did it again. 
The righteous <laughs> are on the right hand. And they go to eternal life. Whereas the unrighteous are on the left hand and they go to eternal punishment. And the thing that differentiated, if that's how you pronounce it, probably not, between them was that the righteous were the ones who fed the hungry. They were the ones who gave water to the thirsty, clothing to the needy. They helped the sick. They visited those in prison. That was the righteous right-handed people. That's, that's what the righteous right-handed people do. The actual word for righteousness in that very first passage that we read this morning where Jesus says, don't practice righteousness in front of other people. That is the same word for giving to the poor or for, for, for charity. It's interchangeable. Righteousness and giving, they are one in the same. Jesus is very serious about us loving and serving other people. But as I was reading Matthew 25, I was thinking about how there are so many times when I have failed to do those things. There have been so many times when I've put my comfort over someone else, when I've taken the easy road, when I've said yes to my flesh, to what my left hand's suggesting, instead of the right, what the Spirit of God is impressing on me to do. There's been many times where I've been disobedient to God's Spirit. And you know, that's very serious. That is sin. And that leads us to the left hand, the eternal punishment. Not only are we to love and give, but we are to do so in such a way that our left hand doesn't know what our right hand is doing, which means we're not to be prideful in our giving and serving. So sometimes we can tick the box of giving to someone else, but really our heart attitude is, is prideful. We've been doing it to feel good about ourselves or to get some brownie points with God or, or so that someone else might see. So what do we do? What hope do we have? The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is an unattainable standard of righteousness that not even the kindest, most selfless person, the person I was thinking of actually was Lisa Hansen. When I was thinking about this, I'm like, not even Lisa Hansen. Can you, she can't even reach this level of righteousness. What hope do we have? How can we be counted on the right hand of God? It's because of the one who sits at the right hand of God. You know, he's sitting there right now. Romans 8.10 But if Christ is in you, then even, we read this before, then even though your body is subject to death, because of the sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. You might have thought that's your righteousness. Well, you can be glad to know it is not talking about our righteousness. It is talking about the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Philippians 3, I consider all things garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. 
not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Do you know that you are found in Christ, in, wrapped up totally in His righteousness, seated at the right hand of God, not because of what we've done, but because of what Christ has done. Later in the chapter, it says, Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? He has chosen you this morning. It is God who justifies Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Jesus Christ who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding. Thank you, Jesus, interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or sword or danger? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. We were the sheep, the goats who were meant for slaughter to go to that eternal punishment. But Jesus Christ, our intercessor, stepped in on our behalf, on your behalf, laying His body down so that we could be counted a part of the righteous in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, so that we can be found in Him, enriched totally in the riches that He lavishes upon us. Will you stand with me this morning? So, I want to first do a little, a little prayer, a little thing for all of us people who are left-handed. <laughs> you know what I mean, not physically left-handed. Or maybe have left-handed traits. For those of us who feel like we've only got a limited supply and that we have to conserve, that, that we, we don't have enough to, to let our right hand do something that our left hand doesn't know about. I want to I want to pray for those who want generosity to be broken in their lives, in our lives. So if everyone wants to close their eyes, and this morning if you're like, heck, I need, I need that. I, I want to be generous. I don't want to be bound and constricted to what I can see that I have. I want to live my life in a way that shows that God is my Father and that I'm part of the eternal riches and kingdom of heaven. If that's you this morning and you want to say to God, hey, God, help me to live like the right hand. Help me to not give into my flesh, but into the Spirit of God. Let's raise our hands up to the heavens if that's you. And I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit who is alive in you will do a work in your heart right now. So Holy Spirit, I thank You that You are living inside of us right now and those who are reaching out to You. And I ask through Your power and might, will You help us to be obedient to Your Spirit, to be obedient to what You are calling us to do, to be generous. 
will You break open generosity in our lives right now. We can't do this by ourselves. We need You, we need Your help. Will You break something open inside of us right now? Lord, let there be testimonies of people who encounter someone so generous that it made them realise there must be a God out there and I need to know Him. Lord, we pray that people will come to know You, that there will be thanksgiving brought to You because of the generosity of this house and the people in this house. Lord, we ask that You will do that work within us right now. Let us hear and obey what You are calling us to do. Even in the little things, Lord, help us to say yes to You. Yes to courageous generosity. In Jesus' mighty Name, Amen, Amen. I pray that You receive that. I also want to pray for anyone who has never given their life to Jesus before and you want to be found in Him. You realise that that you, you're not going to be good by your own measure of righteousness and that you need to be covered by the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It's simply inviting Him into your heart, opening your heart to the Holy Spirit and saying, I, I want you. I want you in my life. I need you. So if everyone wants to close their eyes again, if that's you or if you're watching on the live stream and you want to give your life to Jesus, you want to be that prodigal son that comes running back home into the outstretched arms of your heavenly Father. I want to pray for you, and so I'm just going to ask you to pop your hand in the air if that, if that is you, if you want to give your life to Jesus this morning. Give a few minutes, moments. Jesus, you are knocking on the door of our hearts. And I thank you for those right now who are opening their heart for the very first time to you, inviting you in, letting you make your home in their heart. Jesus, we understand that that is not by our righteousness, our good works. It is only by your grace. Thank you, Jesus. We give our lives to you. We love you. We need you. And right now, we want to worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going we're gonna to worship. Thanks, guys.